You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Love cannot remain by itself. It has no meaning. Love has to be put into action, and that action is service. Whatever form we are, able or disabled, rich or poor, it is not how much we do, but how much love we put in the doing. A lifelong sharing of love with others. Pentecost Sunday, and I'm so excited to celebrate it with you. As you all know, I self-identify as being Pentecostal. I grew up Pentecostal. But oddly enough, Pentecost Sunday was not something we typically celebrated. So Pentecost brings to an end our Easter season, and it kind of launches us into the rest of the year. The next major event when this kind of Pentecostal season ends is Christ the King, And after Christ the King, we're back to Advent of the next year. So most of the year is during this time of Pentecost, this time of the Spirit. It's sometimes referred to as regular time or ordinary time, but I like to think of it as time of the Spirit, that our regular life, our ordinary life is filled with the Spirit, and that the whole church in a very real way is Pentecostal because the whole church is filled with the Spirit. So on this day of Pentecost, we get the story in Acts chapter 2 about how the Spirit was poured out on the apostles and those who were there praying with them, and how this kind of gave birth to, to the church. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one of them heard speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all those who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea, and all who live in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young man shall see visions, and old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show 
importance in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to be blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, at the Pentecostal, growing up especially, we like to focus mostly on how we would speak differently when we experienced the Spirit or when we had an infilling of the Spirit. So we talked about being baptized in the Spirit or filled with the Spirit and how we might speak in tongues or how we might prophesy. The other way that we focused on what we might say differently was that we would kind of speak our testimonies with boldness, that the Spirit would come upon us not just so that we might speak in tongues or interpret the tongues or prophesy or offer some interpretation of the prophecy, but that we might also have kind of boldness in terms of our personal evangelism. So I think if a group of uh, Pentecostals had been on the committee that was choosing the title of this biblical book, we might not have titled it the actions or the acts of the apostles. We might have titled it the speeches of the apostles because, as I said, we focus so much on how the coming of the Spirit affected our speech. But you see, the coming of the Spirit should, should affect our speech, but certainly not only affect the way we talk about things. It should also affect the way we behave, our actions, which is why the book, the biblical book is called the Acts of the Apostles. It has to do with their actions, what they did, so that when the Spirit came upon them, it's not just that they spoke differently, but it's that they acted differently. But I would like to take just a few minutes and focus some on both of those. So we'll start with um, ways in which we speak differently when the Spirit comes or when we are empowered or enabled by the Spirit. Now, again, typically this conversation when you're amongst Pentecostals will focus more on kind of how and even why um, we speak differently. But I would like to focus today not so much on how we speak differently, but on who is speaking. Because you see, when the Spirit was poured out, it wasn't just poured out on a few. It was poured out on this large group, and then it had this effect on even this larger group. Because one of the amazing things that happened in Jerusalem on that day of Pentecost that Luke talks about is that all of these people from all of these places who spoke lots of different languages, all heard in their own language the mighty works of God. And I think that's important, that when the Spirit comes upon us, it breaks the boundaries, it crosses the borders. Those things that would identify us in ways that might uh, keep us apart or differentiate us from one another, that those lines start to blur and that everyone is kind of moved by this activity of the Spirit. Peter, when he stands up to kind of explain what has been happening, he quotes the prophet Joel, and he says, this, you know, this is the last days, and the Spirit is poured out on all flesh, on the young, on the old, on the free, on the slave, on the uh, men, on the women. It's just poured out on, on everyone. And not only that, but also people who speak different languages, who are from different locations. Like on the list of languages that it says that people heard in, it includes Arabic. 
which I've also often found was really fascinating, that that's one of the languages in which the mighty works of God were heard. So today, as we celebrate uh, Pentecost Sunday, and as we think about what it means to live a life in the Spirit and to be filled with the Spirit, or to walk in the Spirit, I want us to focus on that, that the Spirit has come not just for us or for a few, but the Spirit has come for everyone, that the Spirit is being poured out on all flesh, and that we, we speak the mighty works of God in a diversity of tongues. And that, that diversity, I think, is very important because it's not only important in terms of how we speak, but it's also important in terms of how we behave. So, again, as a Pentecostal, Acts chapter 2 is something I talk about a lot. But typically, in our tradition, we often talk about the first half of that chapter and the ways in which people are speaking and hearing and we talk less about the second half of the chapter, which focuses on what they did and what they did differently. So this passage kind of comes to a climax in verse 42, and it says that there were these four things that this new group of folk, these folks who the Spirit had been poured out on and had, had been moved by God, it says that they did not forsake the teaching of the apostles, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. So let's, let's think about those four things. They didn't forsake the teaching of the apostles, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. So that, that kind of describes us in a lot of ways. Like when we talk about the Apostles' Creed, when we talk about the historical Christian faith, that which we have received that's been passed on from person to person and from generation to generation, that's the teaching of the apostles that we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, that we believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and all the work that Jesus did and all the work that he's continuing to do as he intercedes for us as our high priest and as we anticipate his return as the judge of the, uh, of the world, that we believe in the Holy Spirit, that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, the communion of saints, all of that stuff, Right? That's the teaching of the apostles, and it's been handed down, and the early church kind of held on to that, and we too continue to hold on to those things. And so they didn't forsake the teaching of the apostles. They didn't forsake fellowship. Now, right now, you might feel like we have forsaken fellowship, but, but not. We might not be meeting together yet physically at the church, but we're, we're moving in that direction, and we're continuing to still fellowship with one another uh, but perhaps we're doing it virtually, doing it in terms of Zoom meetings or Google Hangouts and those sorts of things. And in the very near future, we hope to kind of be able to have some of those meetings, some of those small group meetings uh, um, in person. We'll continue, of course, to practice the best practices of social distancing and kind of wearing masks so that we kind of protect others, um, not just to kind of protect ourselves. But we fellowship with one another. And then, of course, the breaking of bread is kind of shorthand for communion. And we do that. We continue to do that. We've been doing it all along, and we'll do it again today. And then, of course, prayers. So nothing could keep us from praying. And we pray, you know, uh, by ourselves, and we pray kind of collectively. We have these prayers of the people that are written in our worship companion, 
and, and we hear them, and hopefully you can kind of even participate in those as well. So I'm praying for you. I ask you to pray for each other. I ask you to pray for me so that much like the early church that had been filled with the Spirit, we too might do those same four things. That is, not forsake the teaching of the apostles, fellowship with one another, the breaking of bread, and prayers. So between these uh, two big things, kind of speaking differently because the Spirit has come upon us and acting differently because the Spirit has come upon us, we live kind of the life of the Spirit. We live the life of Pentecost. But I'd like to kind of circle back around a bit and talk about that diversity of tongues or uh, Peter's idea that the Spirit is being kind of poured out on all flesh. You see, this is exactly what I think uh, the Spirit is about, that the, the day of Pentecost is all about expanding our borders, about being uh, more inclusive, about inviting kind of everyone to the table. But in the book of Acts, that ideal of, of diversity struggled. That is, maybe to put it uh, more pointedly, the early church struggled with the spiritual idea of, of diversity. Because there were things that that requires of us, a certain amount of, of acceptance of the other, an expression of love of the other. Our series is called Love and Be Loved, right? And so God is showing God's love for us by sending the Spirit, and then we kind of respond by loving God and loving neighbor, right? The, the summation of all of the Old Testament, right? Loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourself. But to love our neighbor means that we have to kind of reach out beyond our comfort zone, and that we have to practice love. And love, of course, kind of comes in, in two main ways. It comes in the way in which we speak, but it also comes in the way we act. And in the early church, in the book of Acts, there were folks who were obviously struggling with both of those, struggling with the way that they would speak about one another and in the way in which they would act with one another. In Acts chapter 5, there's a couple called Ananias and Sapphira, and they kind of come and they, they, they're lying to the leadership about what they have because they don't want to kind of share. There's this um, expectation that because they were people of means that they would be sharing so that those who had needs could have their needs met. And they were, I guess, apprehensive about that. They didn't want to do it. And so they didn't, right? And it's, it's kind of a tragic story there. And then in the very next chapter, there's this kind of, again, an expression of need. I mean, it's, it's when times get tough, I think that our, our limitations, um, our inabilities, our unwillingness, the kind of love in both word and in deed really gets challenged. And so what we see in that chapter is apparently the Hebrew widows are being well cared for, but there are Greek widows in the community who, who aren't. Now, there is a chance that all of those widows were kind of ethnically Jewish, but they were kind of in two kind of cultural uh, camps that one were kind of more traditionally Jewish and the other had kind of been kind of Hellenized. They were kind of adopting more Greek culture. And, and really, um, at that point in the early church story, uh, chances are everyone was kind of ethnically Jewish. But there's this discrepancy, right? 
there's this um, a prejudice against a particular group. And, and the early church kind of struggles to deal with it. I mean, the leadership does make a decision. Some elders or uh, deacons are appointed to kind of administer the, the, um, the resources of the group to make sure that there's more equality that takes place. But it's not like that problem just goes away. And we know this because, again, later in the book of Acts, we see people struggling with it. At one point, the Spirit moves upon Peter and he's preaching to a group of Gentiles, and they receive the Spirit, and he's kind of amazed by it, and he sits down to eat with them. And then later, the fact that he's eating with these Gentiles is challenged, and he decides, man, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. Well, in Galatians, when Paul writes Galatians, he really comes after Peter. He's like, look, you knew what was right. You knew the right thing to do was to show your love for them by sharing the meal with them. But yet, you didn't. You, you kind of backed up. You moved, you leaned away from the act of the Spirit, right? As opposed to leaning into it. And, and uh, Paul calls Peter a hypocrite. And we hear Paul not just pointing at Peter, but kind of at the general audience when he says, um, both in Galatians and in Colossians, that we are neither Jew nor Greek. We are neither slave nor free. We are neither male nor female. And he, he kind of hits this again in Ephesians when he says, look, we are saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God. There's nothing here for us to boast about, right? That Christ has done the work. He has torn down the dividing wall. Like not just the dividing wall between people and God. He's torn down the dividing wall between this group of people and that group of people. And so the fact that Paul is having to mention this again and again and again the fact that when Luke tells the story of the early church, early church in the book of Acts, and, and we see multiple ways in which they were kind of struggling to live up to this idea or ideal that we see in Pentecost, that when the Spirit is poured out, it's poured out on all flesh, that all these different languages here, that they share things in common, that they don't forsake the teaching of the apostles, that they fellowship with one another and break bread and, and pray together. Like, that's the vision. That's our goal. That's what we want to do. But the church, the early church, apparently was struggling with that. The sad part is, is that I think the church has continued to struggle with it again and again and again. And despite the fact that we've had revivals, major revivals, you know, big revivals, it, it hasn't done enough. It's kind of revived us spiritually, but it didn't revive us en enough that it would reach past the ways in which we were just talking into the ways in which we were living and the ways in which we were acting. I mean, there were major revivals in the 17th and 18th century, but neither one of those critiqued the systemic evil and injustice of slavery. And then the, the main revival, the largest revival of the 20th century, which is the start of the modern-day Pentecostal movement, right? It started in kind of the late 19th and really kind of exploded in, in the early 20th century. And there were hints, kind of like in Acts chapter 2, there were hints of these ideals. The revival, uh, there was this main revival that was in Los Angeles from 1906 to 1909, and it was, it was on Azusa Street. 
And so uh, we, we typically refer to it as the Azusa Street Revival. And in that revival, they were overcoming, at least temporarily, a lot of the social ills, a lot of kind of our systemic uh, injustice, our systemic sins. So, for example, uh, racism and sexism and nationalism were as alive, well, uh, as alive and well then as they are now, right? But there, there, was, there was this kind of glimmer of hope that that, that revival was kind of multinational. People were coming from all parts of the world, and they were kind of representing their culture and their language kind of in the revival. And the revival was, was kind of multiracial, and it was, uh, there was, it was um, male and female in terms of the people participating and in terms of the people leading. But unfortunately, not unlike the ideal in Acts 2 didn't seem to hold the majority for very long. The same thing happened with the Pentecostal revival in the 20th century. It didn't take it long before it splintered, and it splintered kind of just along some of those lines. It splintered along racial lines. Uh, it splintered along lines of, of sexism, like who would kind of allow kind of women in leadership and who wouldn't. And we see that these struggles, uh, struggles that we see in the early church, uh, struggles that we see kind of in our own history, are struggles that we continue to face today. So I want us to think about what it would look like if as Christians filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, how we might pray and how we might act. Just this week, or last week, we saw the tragic death of, of Greg Floyd. And it wasn't just a few weeks ago, right, that Ahmad Arbery uh, was, was gunned down in, in Georgia. And we, could, we should also mention uh, Breonna Taylor. These are tragic and unjust deaths. And they are, they are examples of the systemic racism that's in our culture. This, this idea that somehow we can divide ourselves along ethnic lines and that somehow uh, power and uh, privilege gets divvied out unevenly. This, this is something that, that we're living with, but it's an ill, it's an evil, right? And it's not reducible to just things we do as individuals. I don't think it's enough just to say, well, I, I'm not a racist, or I'm not sexist, or I'm, I'm not a nationalist. I, I, don't, I don't participate in such things. I mean, I think it's good to do that. I mean, as best we can, right? Unless someone points out something to us, and then we can kind of confess our sins. But I, I think if we're going to move forward, we need to, we need to not just talk, but we need to act. So, what I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not just enough to not be a racist. We need to be an anti-racist. It's not enough just to be not to be sexist. We need to be anti-sexism. It's not enough to just not be nationalist. We need to be kind of anti-nationalist, anti-nationalism. We need to we need to find ways in both the way we speak and in the ways we behave to advocate 
for, uh, for the diversity of our group. So in order for us to do this, we have to be concerned, especially for those with less power, for those who are marginalized. So of course, this might include, often in the New Testament, it talks about children, particularly orphans, or it talks about widows. And so we have to, like God is, right? We, we pattern ourselves after God to be the parents of the orphans, to be the caregivers of the widows, uh, to be the visitor of the prisoners, uh, to be the provider of those who are hungry. I mean, we could put poverty on the list. It's, it's not just enough to say, I don't like poverty, right? We need to be anti-poverty. We, we need to be kind of active in doing what we can to provide for one another and for those around us who are in the most need, right? It's why we kind of set up this COVID-19 account for, for those of us who can to kind of share our stimulus checks. It's why we support uh, Blessings and Hope Food Bank. It's why we as a church are moving forward to kind of to uh, join and partner with Peace, the Polk Ecumenical Council, uh, Action Council for Empowerment. And it's why I would like us to both kind of personally, kind of in our prayers and actions, but then also kind of collectively in our prayers and our actions, right? In word and in deed, to be filled with the Spirit, to, to show our love, to speak our love, but to also show our love. Words are important. It matters what we say and how we say it. But just as important, it's important to kind of match with those words, lives, actions, faithfulness. And so my prayer for all of us is that, that God would fill us with gratitude for, for what God has done, what Christ has done and is doing as he continues to intercede for us as our high priest in heaven and as we await his return as the judge of the world. So that God would fill us for gratitude for all of those things. And we sing about that a lot. But that will also be filled with compassion, compassion for one another, and especially compassion for the diversity of the group. You know, that it's not just us in terms of some small identification. It's, it's the larger group. That the idea that we are a kingdom of priests means that we are all priests who can go to God on behalf of the world. It's a beautiful, beautiful image. So filled with gratitude, filled with compassion. I pray too that God would fill us with courage, courage and boldness of the Spirit to speak life, to speak justice, to speak peace. See, the Spirit of Pentecost is the Spirit of life. When none of us have life without the Spirit, right? It's the Spirit that moved upon the face of the waters in creation. It's the Spirit that is breathed into the, to the lungs of the, of the first people that give them life. The Spirit is the Spirit of life. The Spirit is also the Spirit of prophecy. So that as the church, we have that prophetic mantle to, to speak truth to power, to speak up 
for uh, those who suffer, to speak out against injustice. So again, we're praying for gratitude, for our hearts to be filled by God with gratitude for what God has done, for compassion for one another and for our world, especially those who are the most vulnerable among us. For, for our hearts and our very bodies to be filled with courage so that we can respond faithfully, again, in both word and deed, and how we, what we say and how we say it and what we do. But of course, we could easily kind of grow weary in, in good doing. So I pray that God would fill us with joy and that God's joy will be our strength, that it will give us endurance, that it, it will sustain us to kind of continue to resist these evils that have been plaguing humanity all these many years, centuries, millennia. You know, the Apostle Paul would say that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And that's exactly what I think we need to do. The, the powers and the principalities are the racism and the sexism and the classism and the nationalism. That's what's animating the worst parts of ourselves. And so we're not battling against other people. We love them. We're caring for them. We're battling against the evils, the, the powers and principalities that might animate them. And God forbid, that might also animate us. We need justice to separate us from sin and evil. So I pray, again, that God fills us with gratitude, with compassion, with courage, with joy, and with hope. Because our hope is that the continued pouring out of the Spirit will be effective that those moments like we see in Acts 2, those moments like we see those few years in kind of that early Pentecostal movement will take root, will we'll be able to kind of shape our lives together, will have an impact on society so that, that we can move forward, that we can practice this um, loving and being loved because that's who we are, Oasis. That's our community. And, and I pray for us today that we would be able to experience the life in the Spirit, Pentecost, that we would speak differently, and that, that we would be able to hear the mighty works of God coming at us in all these different languages and all this kind of diversity, and that we would not forsake the teaching of the apostles, our fellowship, the breaking of bread, and our prayers. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.